The following program was pre-recorded on WFAN. It's time for Hello, My Name is Craig, our weekly candid conversation about gambling addiction. It's supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Now, here's Craig Carton. Welcome, 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 and good morning, and here we are with another edition of Hello, My Name is Craig, a 30-minute conversation on gambling addiction. Craig Carton with you, as always, Dan Trelaro with uh, 1-800-GAMBLER. Dan, good morning. How are you, bud? I'm well, Craig. Good morning. Good morning. And joining us this morning is a fellow gambler uh, named Drew, and we'll leave it at that. Drew is from New Jersey, and I've always thought that it's important for those of you that may not yet know what a gambling addiction looks like, may not have come to terms with what gambling addiction is, or may worry about having a loved one who has an addiction, but you maybe can't put into words or can't recognize all the issues that come along with gambling, that sharing personal stories of, of people like me, but not just me, I think is very powerful. So we're thrilled that Drew is willing to join us this morning. Drew, thank you very much for sharing your story today. Oh, no problem. Glad to be here. So what was your game of choice? Um, for me, it was it was really simple. I don't know why. Like I just loved playing roulette. It was a uh, it was a game that required no skill whatsoever. No, you know, no matter how many things people want to tell you about it, it was pick a number, pick a color, spin the wheel. Thirty seconds later, do it again. Right. That's interesting because that that game doesn't lend itself as as much to the you know the action of uh, waiting for a card to get turned over, rolling the dice, and like you said. You know, there's no rhyme or reason to it. I know a lot of guys who think they, they have a roulette system. Did you uh, have some kind of system when you started playing a lot? No, I wouldn't necessarily call it a system. It was just for some reason the game itself just, you know, I was attracted to it. You know, I played it a couple times, and for some reason, I, maybe it was just that, that click, click, click when you heard the, the ball going around the wheel and eventually getting to the number or color that you wanted to get to. But for me, it was, hey, I wanted it to hit red three every time. And that was the number I played. And I didn't have a, a thought that it was going to come out all the time. It was just a number that I always wanted to play, and I always felt good about it if it came out. If so, it came out and I didn't have it, that's when I got really upset. Did you win at some point early on that kind of fueled the, the notion that you could win? Yeah, I, I won a little bit early on. You know, Like a lot of other people, my gambling started out innocently. I really started you know, online. I would go to Atlantic City a couple of times a year, but it was never that big of an issue because I would drive back up an hour and I would go back in six months. You know, when I discovered the the easy access of online gambling, it just became so much easier. I could just go on whenever I wanted, you know, put in a couple hundred bucks and gradually it was a couple hundred bucks and five hundred dollars and a thousand dollars. And at one point, you know, within the first month or so I had a really big win and I thought, wow, this is this is really easy. I'm you know, I'm the man. And after that, it just it went down. I would lose some money. I would win some money back. And then ultimately go on a really bad downward spiral of losing a lot of money, trying to figure out where I was going to get money next to gamble with once I didn't have it anymore. I want to get into that part point in a second. But, Dan, let me just ask you, have you guys seen a rise in uh, stories like Drew's where the ability to do it from home, you know, on the phone, on the computer, the proliferation of online gaming or gambling has changed uh, the, the the story? Yeah, we've seen that quite a bit. And Drew, thank you for, for kind of sharing there a bit. Uh, we've seen it in the state since internet gambling was legalized in 2013 in New Jersey. Our helpline call, the percentage of people calling with internet gambling as the primary issue has more than doubled. And we've really noticed that more recently in the past year during COVID, where 
for a few months during the middle part of the year in 2020, when sports gambling was shut down, we were having almost half of our helpline calls, anywhere from 30 to 50 percent of our helpline calls. People were calling up with Internet gambling as the primary issue. It's that accessibility and ease that that Drew just mentioned that really makes it you know, a, a potential problem for people. Yeah, and then you're, you're listening to it right now. You're, Drew, you would only go physically into a casino now and then, but when you're sitting at home uh, 24-7 or any time of day or night, you've got the itch to play. Bang, it's right there for you. So Absolutely. Absolutely. So my understanding is that when you do that, you uh, you deposit the money through a direct deposit from a bank account most uh, most often. That's the way you got your money in, right? Oh, uh, that was some of the way, but you know, some of the sites that I used at least at the time, and I think things may have changed. I was able to use a credit card, so I could just use my credit line of money that I didn't have, and just assuming that I'm going to win it back, pay all of my credit card off, and then I'll have the money that I'm going to play with more. Got it. So when you were at the height of uh, the addiction, how often would you play, either times a day or hours at a time? Can you walk us through that? Yeah, so I was probably I was probably on there four to five uh, days a week, and it probably would have been more if I could have figured out how to hide it from my wife more. And if when I was playing, it was easily, I was said, I was only going to do an hour or so, and, you know, that's, you know, every gambler would tell you that. But then I was playing six or seven hours. You know, I missed. I played in softball leagues where I just totally pushed off a game because, you know, I was in the middle of action. I was in the middle of winning or I was in the middle of trying to get back. You know, it was just constant, six, seven hours, sometimes in the middle of the night. You know, I would play, you know, up until midnight and then finally decide to go to sleep, get in the bed, and then just turn over on my side and just, you know, turn on my phone, turn on the light low so my wife wouldn't know what I was doing, and then just continue to play while, I was, while my wife was sleeping. It was, it was sickening. I, I understand that story. I, I, I played so much blackjack on my phone and on computers, and there's always an excuse to, to go downstairs, excuse to go into the bathroom. Phone was always with me. The light was on low. I know exactly what you're talking about. And then one day it all comes to an end. So what was, yeah. your, what was your rock bottom moment? Uh, I, I remember it pretty in particular. I'm not. I wasn't a big sports gambler, but what I would always do if I ever had a big loss, you know, doing casino gambling, I would I would make up for it with some sort of crazy and you know sports wager. So uh, it was at, towards the end of 2019. You know, I was in pretty deep with credit cards and personal loans and all these things that I'd taken out, and I took out a you know a very large bet for myself. You know, numbers aren't important. We're going to go as far as as we can go and as far as as much money we can get our hands on. Made a very large bet on a football game, uh, and I remember watching it, and it did not go my way. And I remember when the game ended, I, I, I sat down on the couch, and I was home alone, and I just, I, I had no more, you know, pun intended, cards to play. I just, I knew I couldn't get any more money unless, you know, I was going to go out and rob a bank or something. I, I had to figure out what I was going to do next. So, first thing I did was, you know, I think the next day, I, you know, I told my wife what was going on, and... The day after that, I think I went to my first Gamblers Anonymous meeting. You know, I didn't really want to go. Nobody told me to go, but I knew I had nowhere else to go at that point. So I thought, I've tried my way. Let me try it another way. When before you actually uh, told your wife, were there moments along uh, the course of, you know, the year prior to that where she came to you and said, "Hey, what's going on? You're not yourself. You know, you're not uh, here emotionally. Uh, what's you know, tell, talk to me. I, I know there's something wrong." Um, not directly, but, you know, there, there was some strain on, on the marriage and the relationship. Um, you know, we didn't talk as much. Uh, we didn't have a direct conversation that I looked different because I think I had such a good time of 
hiding it. Like I, I hid it so well that nobody knew about it. You know, a lot of people have a reputation of being a gambler. I didn't have one because almost nobody knew what I was doing, especially since I could do it on my computer, the privacy of my own home, and not have to tell anybody. Yeah, we hear that a lot, don't we? Yeah, we do, especially with the Internet gambling, because it's that secrecy. It's that ability to kind of stay in the background, in the shadows. And we know gambling is a hidden addiction. It's not easy to identify. And someone can very easily say, oh, I'm just feeling a little off. You know, work is stressing me out. Um, You know, you can make up tons of excuses. If you're not known as a gambler, it's easy to keep it hidden. You know, GA believes in total abstinence. They don't believe in responsible gambling. And that's the only way to uh, conquer the demons is to not do it at all. When you went to that first GA meeting, was there a moment when you did kind of fall off and and wager again? And how long did it take you to get to a point where you were comfortable not doing it? So I remember I went to my first meeting on October 8th of 2019, and I I specifically remember making a wager the next day, um, mainly because I had a lot of free play in one of my online accounts. Uh, and su- surprisingly, after that, you know, I just I kept going to meetings every week, maybe a couple meetings a week, and I actually haven't made a wager since the second day. Wow! Now, it was very, very hard. You know, there were a lot of days where I was just stressed out. I didn't, I wanted to make a bet very, very badly, um, but I just kept telling myself that you know the result is just going to be the same. And every time I had you know a really, really strong urge to gamble, you know, GA you know has a lot of phone lists, made a lot of phone calls to people in the program. And it was funny because each week I didn't want to go, but with every week that went by, I didn't mind going uh, as much. And then within a few months, I actually enjoyed going. And now I'm at the fact where I'm chairing meetings, uh, going to meetings online, talking to people that I don't know and trying to share at least what I know, which is very little at this point. I've only been abstinent for a little over a year at this point, but I feel in that time I've made so much progress. You know, a lot of people... um, get a wake-up call from their spouse saying, hey, you have to do this, or, you know, I'm going to leave you or something. Unfortunately, it didn't work out for me. I lost um, I lost my marriage. I lost my house. You know, the only two things that I didn't lose were my car and my dog. So, with you know, with every day that I stay gambling-free, I just try to remember, hey, if I go back, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to lose the other things that are dear to my heart. Yeah, people need to understand that. You know, the loss is real. It's uh, you lost your, your marriage. You lost your house. And you wake up one day and you wonder, what the heck did it, what, what happened? Where did I go wrong? Well, you know, what did I do? And uh, you do, at some point, at least I did, have uh, this tremendous clarity down the road, not right away for sure, when you look back on your life and all the gambling you did and all the sneaky things you did to gamble more and all the secrets you kept and the lies you told. And it seems so clear when you get to a certain point down the road how just ridiculous you were, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's like looking like I was a different person. I just couldn't believe the things that I that I had done. And I'm, you know, I try to remember to my life before gambling and how much simpler it was and how much more happy I was, uh, how much more ambition I had, whether it was, you know, doing something simple like working out or, you know, just working at my job and trying to do a good job there. It's keeping gambling out of my life and keeping that action out of my head is is just key to me to staying alive. You know, I might be sound dramatic there, but you know, I'm pretty convinced if I was still gambling, A, I'd be dead already, or I'd be on that pathway to that. How long did it take you to get your financial stuff in order? Um, I'm at the point now where, you know, I don't want to call it financially comfortable. Um, you know, I still I have a lot of debt that I'm working through, but I'm able to manage it. But it mm-hmm. probably took, 
you know, a good eight months before I could get, you know, half of my head above water just, you know, to be able to, like, hey, I, I want to go get a, you know, some burger and fries or something on the weekend and like that. And it's going to take a couple of years to fully get out of it. And one of the uh, folks in GA said, you know, I hope it takes you six years to, to pay it off or 10 years because mm-hmm. every payment that you make is going to give you a reminder of the damage that you caused. Because if you pay it off in one day and if you get a bailout or something like that, you're not going to learn a lesson. So I tried to take that to heart. At first, I didn't necessarily agree, but with, with each payment that I've made just to try to get out of debt and sort things out, I, I understand where that person was coming from. You're listening to Hello, My Name is Craig, talking to a Drew, uh, a gambling addict like myself, and Dan Trelaro, who also lived the same life we lived, but is now making the world a better place for folks like us through uh, 800 Gambler. We'll continue right after this on The Fan. Back to more of Hello, My Name is Craig on The Fan with your host, Craig Carton, and supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. All right, guys, welcome back to Hello, My Name is Craig. Just a few more minutes here with Drew because I think his story is very important to be told and obviously very moving. So, Drew, did you have any moments prior to going to GA where you looked in the mirror and said, what are you doing, but then went and did it anyway? Yeah, I would say there was a period of about three to four months before I went to GA, and I remember every time I would go on a gambling binge and something bad would happen, I would. I remember getting to like my last twenty dollars and just I would look at the screen and just almost hoped that I would lose, saying, you know, you deserve this. And then once all my money was gone again, I would I would sit and like you said, look in the mirror and I'm trying to figure out like what am I doing wrong? Like why am I doing this? But you know, after whether it was a couple hours. Or, you know, I went on a really big binge for a couple of days. I was be able to be abstinent. I would just hop right back on for some reason because it was comfortable. It was like, you know, some people compare it to seeing an old girlfriend or something like that. It's just, it's maddening, it's sickening, but it's like a drug. And when you're in the middle of that action, you know, whether you're winning or losing, it, your brain is almost getting this high and, and, and it makes you feel good. It's destroying you, but at one time it's making you feel good. It's the weirdest thing, uh, Danny, that when I hear him tell, when I hear Drew tell the story, I can relate to so much of it because, you know, there there was a point where we could gamble responsibly. There was a point where it wasn't a big deal. Like Drew said, he'd go to a casino and he wouldn't go back for six months. You know, no big deal, recreational activity. And what's crazy is that none of us know going into it that we have the, I don't know if it's the predisposition or the way our brains work, that we are susceptible to becoming addicted to it. Yeah, you know, I could just hear so much of myself described in Drew, and that's what's great about having these conversations, because you can just sit there shaking your head saying, yeah, I know exactly what that feels like. And, you know, it's that, it's that comfortable feeling that he described. You know, you know what to expect, and it's not always a good outcome, but there's something about just going back to this comfort zone. It's where you're most familiar. It's where you feel in control, even though life is spiraling out of control. You go down with good intentions and you're, you're gambling in person every six months, but there is a different type of gambling that occurs on online versus in person because that speed and repetition is so much faster. It's, it's a more continuous form of gambling, and it reinforces the activity so fast before you know it. It turns into a problem. It's funny. I remember, you know, there were times I'd win online and feel it was great. You won. You know, they put the money in your account. Of course, you never cash it out. It just sits in the account. You wind up losing it at some point. But I'll never, I'll never forget. I don't know if Drew, if you felt the same way, that if I gambled online and lost, I'm, I used to say to myself, of course, of course you lost. It's got to be rigged for you to lose. 
right? And, I, and then I get mad at myself, like, why would you put money into online gambling when in my mind, I figured they had some kind of you know, built-in algorithm that guaranteed you were going to always lose the bigger bet? I, uh, I always felt that way, too, because online, even though some of them have video feeds, you can't see it. You're not there. You can't see behind the curtain, so to say. So sometimes I would think that, but at the same time, didn't stop me from doing it anyway. Right. So let's fast forward to today. Today, uh, it sounds like you're in a really good place. You're willing to share your story, which means you're comfortable you know, with who you are and uh, who you've become. And I just wanted to let you uh, say a kind of final message to folks out there that might have a loved one who's going through it, and they may not know exactly what the problem is, but they know there's something going on, or somebody who's living the life you led. What would your message to those people be today? I mean, I'll try to send a message to the folks who have a problem with gambling. You know, just know that there is help out there. You know, picking up the phone, calling one of these helplines, finding a GA meeting, that's, that's what helped me. Hearing other people, and, and Craig, I think you said this in a, lot, in a lot of the shows, you heard your story the same way but in different ways. I related to almost everything that I heard in my first meeting, and I was just floored that there were, I said, wow, there are people like me. I'm not the only one like this in the world. Even though I knew that Gamblers Anonymous existed, I knew that there, were gamb- there was gambling addiction out there, I still thought, well, I'm, I'm the weirdest one. I'm the person with the biggest problem. And after I heard all of that, I just realized there's help for people with the problem that we have. So, you know, the message that I'll send is just, you know, pick up the phone, you know, call GA, get to a meeting, and just try to help yourself. Because the longer you stay out of it and the longer you keep destroying yourself, you know, the worse it's going to be in the long run. Yeah, I appreciate that very much. And uh, thank you so much for coming on this morning and uh, sharing your story. I'm proud of you as a fellow addict that you're now more than 16 months, uh, quote-unquote, sober. And I think sharing your story uh, makes, makes a big difference. So thank you for doing it and best to you in the future. And I hope to be able to stay in touch. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Drew. Dan, before we get out of here for this morning... You know, what Drew said is so accurate. I've said it many times on this show and on, you know, my regular radio show with Evan Roberts, you know, Monday to Friday, 2 to 7, and that is, I thought I was special. I thought I was unique. Uh, Wins and losses. Uh, I thought that nobody ever processed gambling the way I processed it, both mentally and emotionally, and every single person I've talked to, from you to Drew, who I've never even met, you know, who's kind enough to reach out to via email to, that he wanted to share his story. We, we're all the same. Like, it doesn't matter how much money it was. It doesn't matter if it was roulette or blackjack or sports. We've all processed it in some manner exactly the same. You know, it's, it's great when we're on the recovery side and we can understand that because you're right. I think there's a part of us that when we're in action and we're gambling – we want to be that unique person. I think that ego, I mean, obviously, for someone who struggles with addiction, ego is super high. You know, we've talked about that. And we want to be that unique person that nobody understands this, this anomaly, right? And I know this better than you. And don't even talk to me about it. But trying to have that realization that we're not so unique while we're in action, it almost seems impossible because you only get that insight when you're in recovery. Yeah, I mean, hearing his story about laying in bed with his wife and you know rolling over and putting his uh, phone on the darkest possible setting and uh, playing more. Now his game was roulette, mine was blackjack, of course. Uh, resonates so much with me because you know I did it. I would go, I would go into bathrooms at you know people's house parties. Uh, I wouldn't sit down to go to the bathroom. I would turn my phone on and I would play five minutes of blackjack. 
I just wanted to play. I had to play, had to play, had to play, had to play, had to play. So uh, it takes over, you know, almost every aspect of your rational thought. And it's scary. You know, it really is it, scary. It really is. And, you know, it, it's, it's funny because it's almost like you're going in and you're getting a hit of that drug, right? Because that's what's happening to, our, to the body. You're getting that dopamine boost. You just need another hit. And it could be five minutes of blackjack. It could be a couple spins of the roulette wheel in Drew's case. But, you know, what's funny is when we have uh, callers to our 800-gambler helpline, if it's the spouse, let's say it's, it's the wife perhaps, oftentimes they will either suspect their husband is either having an affair or they're, they're gambling because they're always with their phone. There's sometimes some gifts that show up out of nowhere, and then other times they're very secretive. And, you know, having that online component, and you said, uh, I think Drew said before, and you said the same, that phone is always with you. Yeah. And it, it makes someone in your household wonder what the hell's going on. Yeah, there was a, uh, it's funny you mentioned uh, getting a gift. So there was a online casino that was, uh, the parent company was in Malta. And this is prior to the legalization of online, you know, uh, casino games in, in Jersey, yep. right? So yep. I, I, don't, I don't even know how I found them, but I, I found them. And uh, you, you could give a credit card to, uh, you know, to fund your account. So I had an American Express card at the time, and I would fund my account with the Amex card. All right? Now, one day out of the blue, a 60-inch uh, television set so shows up at my house. And I have no idea who it's from, but it's legitimate, like a 60-inch, you know, screen shows up in my house, and there's no, uh, there's no note in it. And uh, two days later, I get a text message from, you know, the casino agent saying, we hope you enjoyed the gift. And I said, oh, wow. you guys are the ones that sent the TV. And my wife was like, who sent you the TV? And this is one of the rare times I didn't lie about gambling to her. I said, I have no idea. All I know is that a 60-inch TV showed up. Now, two days later, when I found out it came from this online casino, that's parent company was in Malta, and they had offices in Vegas, I, of course, did not share that. But at the time I got it, I was like, wow, this is great. Someone uh, I don't know sent me a gift. I even called Boomer and said, did you just send me a 60-inch TV? He goes, no, what are you talking about? So I remember that, and then... I remember there's one point where, because I guess they processed the deposits in Malta, there was a problem. They, they, they moved the decimal point where they shouldn't have moved it, maybe even two places. Because oh, I got an American Express bill for $340,000. Wow. And I was like, yeah, of course, my wife saw the bill. What's this? Well, it's a mistake. Well, clearly it's a mistake. And I remember having to go through American Express security and all that stuff. And mm. I finally got in touch with the folks that ran the casino literally in Malta. And they reversed the charges. But it's little wow. things like that that, you know, sneak up and, you know, it perpetuates the lies you've told and the secrets you're keeping. But I'll never forget that. I got a TV sent to my house and I got a $340,000 bill. That was erroneous on my credit card. And you know what? It's those it's those situations where oftentimes if you have a spouse or a loved one in the house, they start connecting the dots. That's how a gambler gets found sometimes is those inadvertent things, uh, uh, a credit card bill, right? A gift coming to the house. We had a caller to our helpline one time, and he was talking about these illegal offshore sites. 
saying that at one point during the football season, he was getting flown to whatever stadium he wanted to go to with free tickets. Every weekend right. he was going to a different stadium. And he kept telling his wife it was from the job. He was a great, you know, <laughs> whatever his profession was, it was white-collar type profession, and he just kept lying and lying. Yeah. And his wife bought into it. Well, I'll tell you, I think I've told this story before. If not, I'll tell it real quick. You know, uh, I had a, a late-night trip uh, in Atlantic City. I'm not going to say the name of the casino because it's not their fault. And uh, you know, came back at four o'clock in the morning because it was so late. You know, I used to, I took a helicopter to this to Atlantic City this particular night, and the helicopter had to leave by a certain time. So I'd actually won a decent amount of money, but I couldn't pay off the markers I had taken. So I had the money I won plus the money I borrowed from the casino, right? So right. all the casino knows is, you know, 45 days later, I have a marker that's due. Even though I won money that night, which is the part of the story that kills me, that I was a winner this particular night. So I go home, blah, 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 and I think nothing of it, but I never got back to that casino to pay the marker off. But I did have the cash at home. Mm-hmm. So I get a phone call from the collection folks saying, you know, hey, you owe us X amount of dollars. And they're based in Vegas. They have properties in Atlantic City as well. So I go through this whole uh, conversation with them, and I work out how I'm going to pay them. So we have a plan in place. It's all good. They're good. I'm good. The plan's in place. I'm going to go down to AC, you know, the course of the next couple days, and I'm going to pay off the marker no problem, right? So unbeknownst to me, they had also sent a letter to my apartment acknowledging that I had this debt for the marker that I took out the night that I gambled. Well... The secrets I kept and the lies I told, I had it set up so that I had the casinos would always send me mail to my work address here at the radio station. They would not send it to my home address. Well, this one casino made a quote-unquote mistake and sent the marker uh, amount to my home. So my wife opens up the letter and she goes, how is it that you owe X amount of dollars to this casino? You've never been to that casino, at least that I'm aware of. And I said, well, it must be some problem. I made up a story. They own multiple casinos. I was at the other one. You remember we were there together, et cetera, et cetera. And she had already had built up a level of, you know, distrust in my gambling stories. She said, well, let's call them together right now. I want to hear the casino tell you that you don't owe them this money. All right. So, you know, she called my bluff. So I get on the phone. I put the phone on speaker. I connect out in Las Vegas. And I get connected to the same exact woman that I just worked out the payment plan with, okay? Oh, boy. I'm on speakerphone. I say to the woman, my wife is listening in on this call, thinking that she's going to understand what I'm (laughs) saying to her, that, you know, follow the bouncing ball here, right? Yeah. (laughs) And I say, hi, so-and-so, it's Craig Carton. My wife is on the phone listening right now. Can you confirm that... We have no issue. I don't owe you any money. There's no outstanding marker. And we're good. And the woman says, Craig, we just talked five minutes ago. What are you talking about? (laughs) She goes, you have a plan. You said you're coming down in three days and you're going to pay off the marker. And I was like, oh. Oh, boy. Yeah. The life we live, right? Red-handed. And that's really, that was the start of... Wow, of, you know, of a, obviously a long series of a very tough conversations I had to have because I'd been yeah. uh, lying about it for so long. And I'll never forget yeah. that moment when I got, you know, busted for having a gambling problem and lying about it. 
Yeah, and then all those conversations come right back to the forefront, and and it's a journey, but it's such a better way of living today. It is, no doubt about it. It's a much better way to live today, just living an honest life. Uh, Not gambling is also, for me, a part of it. And I want to be clear that while we do this show, this show is not about GA. And I want to be very clear about that out of respect to all the men and women that have participated successfully in GA and continue to do so. Um, We do not advocate... One way or the other. There's a lot of ways to kind of, you know, kill the cat here. GA believes in total abstinence, and I respect that. And for those of you that are part of GA, you know, you have our full support. This is a conversation about gambling addiction. This is not a GA show. Obviously, Dan, who's also lived the life of a gambler, is not a GA representative. He represents the state of New Jersey's Council on Compulsive Gambling and, of course, the number 1-800-GAMBLER. Dan, as always, I appreciate you coming on, and hopefully somebody listening to us over the last half hour has recognized that they have a problem and are willing to go get help or recognize that a loved one of theirs may have a problem and want to get them help. Either way, 24-7, you can call 800-GAMBLER, and a staff member will answer the phone and start the process of getting you help. Dan, appreciate your time as always, buddy. We'll see you next Saturday. Sounds great, Craig. Thanks again. This is Hello, My Name is Craig. Evan Roberts is next. And then Evan and I together will see you Monday afternoon at 2 o'clock. Thank you for allowing me into your homes this Saturday morning, and have a great weekend.